Right, we're going to... Um, okay, we're going to play... Um, What's the Vice? Okay, so um, this is... This shouldn't be too hard. This is taken from uh, the... Um, the film Amadeus. On the page it looked nothing. The beginning simple, almost comic. Just a pulse, bassoons, basset horns, like a rusty squeeze box. Then, suddenly, high above it, an elbow, a single note hanging there, unwavering, until a clarinet took it over, sweetened it into a phrase of such delight. This was no composition by a performing monkey. This was a music I'd never heard. Filled with such longing, such unfulfillable longing. It seemed to me that I was hearing the voice of God. Hear me. Why would God choose an obscene child to be his instrument? It was not to be believed. This piece had to be an accident. It had to be. It better be. <laughs> okay, what's the sin? What's the vice? Envy. Envy. Okay, it's a great example of it, isn't it? It's a Salieri. And envy. Okay, what, what what is envy? Anyone want to give me a definition? Somebody other than Adam McRae. <laughs> Anybody? What is envy? Yeah, it's when you cover what other people have. Yeah, that's a that's a re really good one. Okay, so um, it's this feeling of unhappy, and with that, this feeling of unhappiness, this unhappiness at the blessing and fortune of others, of what others have. This is what, uh, uh, this is a sort of dictionary definition from Merriam-Webster. It is the painful and often resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by someone else. And you feel it. Someone's got what you haven't. As someone else has said, it is feeling bitter when others have it better. Okay, which I think is rather neat. Or Thomas Aquinas said, it is sorrow for another's good and we're envious of what someone else has and that could be material like you could be envious of somebody else's wealth or you know their career or their success but it can also be relational and you know you may experience this for yourself you know we envy that somebody else has a boyfriend or a girlfriend if somebody else is in a relationship you might envy their physical appearance you might say that's material but you, you envy the fact that they are like the way they are or you might envy that they're really good socially and, and you're not, or that the opportunities they get that you don't. So the envious person resents the other person's good gifts because those good gifts are superior to their own. Mozart 
was greater than Salieri. And Salieri <coughs> felt that. And he feels his own lack of superiority as a result. Okay. The Roman poet um, Horace, who um, um, we all know Danilo reads for breakfast every morning, but he said, um, the envious man grows thin at another man's <coughs> prosperity. If you're envious, you are hollowed out on the inside uh, by, by, by what somebody else has and you don't. Okay, but it's not just that you want the suit. Did you get the wasp? Okay. Um, but it's not that the envious person just wants what the other person has to be equal with them. They want what the other person has for themselves and that the other person doesn't have that. Salieri doesn't just want to be equal to Mozart. He wants to be, he wants to be Mozart and for Mozart not to be there. Um, Dorothy Sayers uh, wrote, <coughs> Envy hates to see other men happy. Rather than have anyone happier than itself, it would see us all miserable together. If I can't have it, no one should have it. Or as Fred Frederick Buchner uh, said, he put it, envy is the consuming desire to have everybody as unsuccessful as you are. If I can't have it, she can't have it. And it wants to drag everyone down to its own uh, level. Okay, and you, you can think about how envy works in our current culture in advertising. This You haven't got it. And you're less as a result. And you need this. So that, or it feeds off, if you have this, other people would be envious of you. I'm not sure that really shows that, but um, except it does say, say it hot, say it loud, say it now. What a great answer. You should use that for meta, ladies. <laughs> okay, um, all right. Now, how does, um, how does envy share itself? Um, first thing I want you to think, with, I want you to turn into your groups. Okay, how is envy the enemy of love? Okay, how is envy the enemy of love? <coughs> okay, just turn around and just one minute. In what way is envy the opposite of love? If love is the virtue, why is envy the vice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, what do you think? Alright, why is, um, or why or how is love, uh, how is envy the enemy of love? Anyone? How is envy the enemy of love? Yeah. Maybe because you don't wish the best for other people. Yeah, exactly. So love wants, is, is really happy that somebody else succeeds and you want the best for them. And envy is the opposite of that. Anything else? Yeah. Love is sacrificial. So if you had to choose between either one, you would choose the other and not yourself. That's Whereas envy, you choose yourself. Exactly. That's a great example. Yeah. Anything else? Okay, if you think about it, those are all love for our, our neighbour, we rejoice in the good of others, envy can't do that. But interestingly, envy, cannot, envy can't love God either, because it resents God. It resents that God has given good things to other people and not to itself, which is why in Amadeus, of course, uh, Salieri gets to the point of you know, cursing God. Because he's given these gifts to Moses, he he gave them to Moses. <laughs> Mozart, he he um he uh he gave. I will give my life to you, God, if you make me the successful musician. And God goes and makes Mozart the success. And so Salieri ends up cursing um God. Okay, can you think of a biblical example of envy? Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. That's a good one. But that's not the one I was thinking of. Any anything else? Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau, another great one, which I wasn't thinking of. <laughs> yeah, the brothers. The brothers. Um, Leah and... Uh, Leah and Rachel. Uh, Joseph. Rachel? Yeah, Rachel. Rachel. Joseph and his brothers. brothers. That's another great one. Yeah. Saul, was, and Saul and David. Saul and David. Thank you, Zach, for thinking what I was thinking. <laughs> okay, so Saul and David. Okay, look at um, 1 Samuel 18, 6-9. As they were coming home, this is after the battle, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And Saul was very angry and this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. Okay, he thought this celebration was for him, but the shepherd boy is getting more attention than him. And he's envious of that. How does it describe the fruit of his envy? What's the outcome? Sifra? Death, did you say? Ultimately, it's exactly that. He, ultimately, he wants to try and kill um, Saul, uh, David. Yeah. Anything else that's there? Resentment. Resentment. I'm thinking of the very last sentence. Let's play what is Martin thinking. Suspicion. Yes, yeah, suspicion. He eyes him. Okay. He, his na- it breaks a relationship. It certainly breaks a relationship. He's now suspicious of him. He, he now imagines the future with fear. Okay, I'm going to keep my eye on him. Um, uh, and then it, later it opens the door to demonic influence in his life. Uh, the spirit that afflicts him and to Asifa said to hate and murder. Joseph Epstein said that of all the deadly sins, only envy is no <laughs> fun at all. Because all the others, actually you can have a bit of fun with the others. Okay, but en- not with envy. Envy really does eat you up. Okay. All right, so how might 
How does envy show itself? How might it show itself in your friend's life or in, in your life or your family's life? Anyone give an example? Mm-hmm. Unable to celebrate others. Absolutely right. There's this rivalry. Okay, it's always them and us. Me versus everybody else. Anything else? Criticism. Criticism, absolutely. Why? Exactly. Okay, you think this person is above you, therefore you criticise them to try and narrow the gap. You bring them down to your level. Anything else, Andrew? Can lead to a lot of complaining. Absolutely right. Exactly. Everyone has it better than I have it. Yeah. Okay. Those are those are uh, great ones. So, but firstly, it, which is uh, comes out of this is uh, comes out of, uh, complaining comes out of this. It's built off of comparisons. Okay. Through comparing with others and the inner feeling of pain as we do that. I think this is a this is a fascinating example. Does any do any of you know who this is? So John Gilgood, yeah, two generation. Andrew Paris, you know who John Gilgood is, don't you? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> is he American? Is he American? Is he American? Not Reagan got a knife in India. Um, okay, so he was one of the great Shakespearean actors. Okay, and um, he wrote in his autobiography. He said, when Sir Laurence Olivier, you must have heard of Sir Laurence Olivier, the great Shakespearean actor, he said, when Sir Laurence Olivier played Hamlet in 1948 and the the critics raved, I wept. Why? Why did this guy, who is at the top of his game, why does he weep? That's the question. Why, Why does he weep? He wants to be raved about. Yeah, he wants to be raved about. And it's that he can't be happy that, that um, Laurence Olivier is being raved about. He wants him to be the one who is being raved about and nobody to be raving about Olivier. Because nowadays I think we're, we're turned to as simply trying to pull the other one down. Whereas here is the realization. That he is great. That the other one is great, yes. Exactly, okay, and we'll come on to to that, okay. And that is because if you tried to help him, you and I might say, and you're saying this is one of our friends, okay, you might say, hey, John, look, he's not, he he isn't that better than you, okay, he's no better than you, you're at least as good as him. And that's not true. They, the, the envious person may rightly have spotted that they're not as good. And they really don't like that. And, and they feel, uh, they, they are hurt inside, they're pained inside, they're sorrowful inside. So they've rightly assessed the, how this ranking is going. Okay. But of course, so what we do, is we, uh, what Google then can do is this um, uh, criticizing. Um, before we uh, do that, um, uh, um, actually, let's, let's get that. So, so, yeah, yeah, Francis Brady, yeah, good name for breakfast. He said, um, he said, where there is no comparison, there is no envy. That's probably the quote you were thinking of, Susie. Yeah. Okay, if you don't compare, if you're not spending your life comparing yourself with other people, okay, there is no envy. It's built off of this compar- comparing ourselves with other people. Um, John Chrysostom, the great... Why was he called Chrysostom? Is that... I know that's his... Uh, he was a mark. 
He looks like a moth. <laughs> he looks like Zach, I think. <laughs> um, or Zach looks like him. Um, why Chrysostom? It's golden-mouthed, okay, because he was a great preacher. Okay, so he was a great preacher. He said, as a moth gnaws a garment, so doth envy consume a person. This comparing with other people just eats away at you on the inside. Okay, but Andrew's right. What we tend to do, rather than we is we criticise, we, we, or today, today's culture we can do this. And uh, we, we ridicule others, we spot their flaws, we assassinate their characters. Um, Alvin Plantinga is a great Christian uh, philosopher, American philosopher, and he wrote that envy drives us to slice up other people's reputations, to disparage their achievements, to minimise their virtues, to question their motives, to challenge their integrity, and failing other ways of bringing them down to kill them. Which is exactly what Cain does with Abel, what Joseph's brothers do with Joseph, what Dave, what Saul tries to do with David, and fictionally what um, Salieri tries to do with Mozart. And it's all about trying to narrow this gap of comparison so they don't look so good. Okay, who else? Um, sorry, that was it there, so I should have put that up. Sorry. Who else? Um, um, who else might the envious resent and be critical of? I've alluded to it already. Okay, so this idea that we resent God, right, and that we, that God gets the blame for giving somebody else more than me. And so it destroys our relationship uh, with God as well. And then, um, as uh, I can't remember whether it's Moses or Daniel, this, this rivalry shows itself by rivalry. Okay, how might the envious person respond to someone else's difficulties? They, they, they absolutely, if it's been based on criticism, yeah, they, they deserve it, yeah, so? They might minimise it, exactly right. What I'm going to get at there is that they actually might be happy about it. Okay. And it's this idea of Schadenfreude, you know, the German speakers can tell me whether I pronounced that correctly or not. You rejoice at the other person's downfall, because again, it's minimising the gap. Um, anything that closes that comparative gap. And for them, the world is tinged with antagonism. It's you versus me, and it's all about me winning. So watch this clip. This is from um, uh, Chariots of Fire. These two great runners who, the film's about this comparison and, and about identity and where you're getting your identity from. And the first runner up is Harold Abrams. This is absolutely ridiculous. It's a race you've lost, not a religion. Nobody's dead. For goodness sake, snap out of it, Harold. You're behaving like a child. I lost. I know. I was there, I remember watching. It was marvelous. You were marvelous. He was marvelous, that's all. On the day the best man won. I had to look for him. It's absolutely fundamental, you never look. He was ahead. 
There was nothing you could have done. You won fair and square. Well, that's that, Abrahams. Well, if you can't take a beating, perhaps it's for the best. I don't run to take beatings. I run to win. If I can't win, I won't run. As I say, I've gone back to China. The mission of service have accepted. Oh, oh I'm so pleased. I've got a lot of running to do first. Jenny. Jenny, you've got to understand. I believe that God made me for a purpose. For China. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Okay, so just contrast those. So Abraham says, if I can't win, I won't run. Whereas um, Little says, I, when I run, I feel his pleasure. Not when I win, I feel his pleasure. Okay, so um, Abrams is getting his identity that I'm gonna, I've got to be better than everybody else. And if I'm not, then my world falls apart. Whereas Little can say, when I run, I feel his pleasure. If I win or I don't, it's fine, it's in his hands. And he can give up running for a greater cause. Whereas Abraham, even when he wins, his world collapses because he knows that one day somebody will beat him. So he can, he knows, he's unstable because he, he knows he can't stay on top. Whereas for, whereas for Little, he knows that he is already loved by God. So it doesn't matter whether he wins or loses. Okay, um, so uh, the fourth way, so comparison, it shows itself by comparisons, criticizing rivalry and ingratitude. Envy cannot be happy with what it already has, and it may not even recognize the good gifts we have, okay? It just has, looks at what it doesn't have in comparison to the other person. Right, interestingly, who do we envy? Do you envy the person um, way better than you or the person close to you? If you're a tennis player, do you envy, if, if you're just a local club tennis player, do you envy uh, Roger Federer or do you envy the person who beats you in the cup at the club level? It's a person close to you, isn't it? Okay, I do not envy Tim Keller, okay? But if Reese or Zach were to go and start a church in Lausanne and their church started doing better than mine, I would envy them. Okay, it's the person who's, who's close to you, who's, who's on the same kind of level as you, uh, that we envy. Uh, Joseph Heller, the, um, I think he's the author of Catch-22, isn't he? He um, said, there is no disappointment so numbing as someone no better than you achieving more. Okay, we're envious of our peers. You're envious of the people in your family, or you know, maybe the one who gets married or has kids be before you, who gets that promotion or is more popular, is given better opportunities. It's those we might actually be compared to favorably, or sorry, compared to unfavorably, who are just like us, only better than us. Okay, now, why does it matter? Let's just rip through these. Uh, James says, where you have envy, there you find disorder and every evil practice. They're like the other seven, it's a root of all other sins, uh, lots of other sins. And if you think about it, 
One of the things that flows out of envy is hatred. To the point, like, as um, uh, you said, uh, Cain and Abel, so envy that can lead to, um, uh, to murder. Jacob's sons, the other Jacob's sons, they're envious of Jacob's love for Joseph, and so they're willing to sell their, their brother into slavery to deal with that. But it's not just hatred of others. Envy develops this self-hatred. It's self-destructive. Um, even when we get what we want, we're still not happy because we're unstable um, and we're doomed even if we win. So which is why Proverbs says, envy makes the bones rot. It's a great proverb. Or um, Socrates called envy the ulcer of the soul. In, um, I've never read this, but there's this book by Edmund Spencer, published 1590, I think, called The Fairy Queen, and he depicts the, um, the seven deadly sins. And interestingly, he has envy riding a ravenous wolf. But the person it's consuming is you. It's the envious person. Okay, so how can we be uh, rid of it? How can you break envy's hold? Let's just come up with a just a, a strategy for helping your friend or yourself who's struggling with envy. What, 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 what would you say to them? How are you going to deal with envy? Gratefulness. Gratefulness. Develop gratefulness. Absolutely. Anything else? For, for what you've got already. Recognise your gifts. All the good things God has given you. Anything else? Gratitude. Thankfulness. Identity. Where is your base? Yeah, absolutely. Where is your identity base? Anything else? Humility. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just recognise some of these. Firstly, Jesus says, recognise the problem. You know, he said, out of the heart comes envy. Okay, we just got to recognise if this is a problem. Let's recognise it. Let's face it that this is a, a problem for us. Then uh, re-examine your values. What is your identity built on? Begin to question the system of values where we think that the person who's more wealthy or famous or successful or beautiful are the ones who have made it. And replace that with gospel values. God looks at the heart, not at the outward appearance. He works through the weakness of the cross, the rejection of the cross, not through Jesus's being the most beautiful. Jesus had no beauty, Isaiah says, to attract us to him. Um, and God seems not to value wealth, possessions, success, status, the way that we do. And if we begin to understand the reversal of values that's in the gospel, the envy begins to have less of a hold on us. Thirdly, know you're loved. This is against this identity. You are already loved by Christ. And so we don't need to be playing this comparing game to get our sense of worth. Um, Paul says, you know, in 1 um, Corinthians 15, verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I don't need these other things. I don't need people's comparisons to feel good about myself. I am loved by God as, as I am. Jonathan's a great example of this, isn't he? Saul and David. Is Saul's envious? Jonathan sees exactly... Jonathan's in some way... It's Jonathan's throne. It's him who's going to lose the throne if David becomes king, because Jonathan's the heir. But Jonathan doesn't respond with envy. He sees what God is doing in David, and he says, I'm great, I'm, gonna, I'm siding myself with you. 
Um, so he's a great example. And then what Daniele said, cultivate gratitude. And if Peter says, put away all envy, so we, we confess it, we repent it, we recognize it, we put it off, and then we put on, we put on gratitude. We begin to thank God for his gifts in other people and his gifts in our lives. Grateful people don't envy. It's impossible. If you are grateful for what God has given somebody else and you're grateful for what he's given you, you're not going to envy. Okay, let's take a break there. No, we won't take a break. We're going to do 20 minutes of discussions to, um, is that all right?